Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, what more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cop of murder... When something horrible happens to someone you love, it can leave you feeling powerless. On April 15th, 2011, and watched helplessly while his ex-girlfriend was murdered on a webcam. Too far to do anything to help. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Kian Lu was only 23 years old when she was living in an apartment just outside York University in Canada. A long way from her home in Beijing, Kian had traveled abroad to study English and spent hours talking with her loved ones on sites like Skype and QQ, China's version of MSN, which is exactly what she was doing the night of April 15, 2011, speaking with her ex-boyfriend, Meng, who still lived in Beijing while working on some of her homework. They had broken up three months earlier, but were still good enough friends that they checked in with each other every so often. As he watched her on the screen, headset on an apartment door in the background, she perked up and told him that someone had knocked on her door. She went to go check, saying something in English that he couldn't understand to a man standing in the doorway. The man was, to Mang, a foreigner and had messy hair, a dark shirt, and loose shorts. They chatted for a second, and it seemed that the stranger was asking to use Kian's phone. She had apparently been having some issues with her Wi-Fi and had been asking the other residents of the building for help. So maybe that's what this man was doing when he asked for her phone. 
She handed it to him. He pushed some buttons and did some work while Kian sat back down at the computer. Meng watched on as the man hovered in the doorway. And as Kian appeared to be leading him out of her apartment, he began pushing himself inside and grabbed her as she tried to fight him off. She yelled out no in Cantonese, but the man pinned her down out of range of the webcam. The next thing Kian's helpless ex heard was the sound of two muffled bangs followed by silence, then heavy male breathing and the sound of furniture being moved and what he thought were keys jingling. The light shut off and everything went black. As he sat baffled looking at the dark screen, the intruder, now naked, walked directly in front of the computer, leaned down and shut the webcam off. Meng now realized that what he thought were keys were actually the sound of the man unbuckling his belt. As soon as he processed what had happened to Kian, Meng tried to figure out her password so he can get access to her chats and try to alert someone in Canada about what had just happened. It wasn't until the next morning that he was able to find anyone who knew her current address and notified her landlord. When he used his master key to get inside, the landlord found Kian's body on the floor, nightgown pulled up, and mostly nude. As police were called to the scene and her body was taken away for autopsy, officials found that, while they could not definitively determine how she died, it was likely by mechanical asphyxiation with compression to her neck. They also found semen on her thigh and groin, as well as either semen or saliva on her breasts. This, of course, was taken for DNA. Back at the apartment, police found the t-shirt that the intruder had been wearing. Now, because Meng witnessed the murder, police were able to get a pretty good description of the killer and knew he was likely living in the same building as Kian, possibly even the same floor, which is why they brought in a man named Brian Dixon for questioning. He matched Meng's description and lived on the first floor, so police asked if he had been in Kian's room the night of her murder. He claimed that he had been in her room, but only briefly, that they talked about cooking before he left and went out to a restaurant, where he sat drinking for several hours before returning to the building. Once he was home, he went to the laundry room, which was located just outside Kian's bedroom, before taking a sleeping pill and going to bed. But while Brian was denying any involvement, his DNA sample taken from a discarded cigarette butt was doing quite the opposite. The DNA taken from her breasts matched Brian's to a degree of 1 in 25 trillion. The semen on her groin matched to a probability of 1 to 2.7 quintillion. And the small blood stain found on the t-shirt left behind matched at a rate of 1 to 140 quadrillion. When brought to trial, Brian's lawyers attempted to argue that he killed Kian unintentionally, hoping to change his first-degree murder charge to manslaughter. That while engaging in sex, he sat on her chest and her neck twisted the wrong way, causing her death. But a detective with the Toronto police told jurors how this wasn't the first time Brian had issues with women. Though he had no criminal record, he had charges brought up against him on three different occasions that were all eventually dropped. There was a woman in 2006 who called the police after Brian penetrated her without consent after she invited him over for oral sex. That she asked him to stop and he refused, telling her to shut up. There was another case in 2008 where his own girlfriend filed a report saying that during an argument, Brian grabbed her by the arm and dragged her out of public view where he put his hands on her throat and began to choke her. After a bit, he let go and jammed two of his fingers into the center of her throat. 
The last charge was a shoplifting one that, like the others, was dropped. They also testified that when his apartment was searched, they found over 100 porn DVDs, half of which involved an Asian participant. Not just that, but his internet search showed that, after being molested himself by an old baseball coach, he advocated online for having sex with children. He also suffered from anxiety, depression, and had a family history of extreme mental illness. As the jurors listened to both sides fight for justice, they grappled with one very important detail, how Kien was killed. There were no signs of any external injuries, with the exception of a few small bruises, which lended to the defense's theories that the death was accidental. But the autopsy did show that there were multiple hemorrhages in her eyes, as well as injuries to the muscles in her back that could have come from a forceful impact and firm pressure being applied by something like a knee or an elbow, making the death seem much more purposeful. In the end, though, her cause of death remained a mystery beyond mechanical asphyxiation, which made it difficult for the jury to decide between manslaughter and first-degree murder. They finally made up their minds on April 7, 2014, and found 32-year-old Brian Dixon guilty of first-degree murder, believing he intentionally killed Kian Lu during the course of a sexual assault. While the friends and family of Kian Lu wept after years of fighting for her justice, Brian remained emotionless as he received a life sentence with a non-parole period of 25 years. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on April 16th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.